Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Luke Edwards. And if you're wondering why I'm not as crystal clear as normal, it's because I am sat in a car park at the Keepmoat Stadium where I've been watching the Lionesses take on a lot of you. It was an eventful night, it was fair to say. And joining me, I'm delighted to say she's back. We can call it a search party. It's Emily Lyles. Hello, Emily. <laughs> Hello, Luke. How are you doing? I am very, very well, thank you. And uh, it's good to have you back on. And it's fair to say it's a there's a lot to get our teeth into. It's been an eventful international week. And let's start off with the Lionesses. And Ellen White has had probably one of the best weeks of her career. She won her 100th cap against Austria on Saturday, capped it off by scoring the only goal. And then this evening, she became England's record goal scorer by going past Kelly Smith. She was compared in the press conference afterwards to the likes of Wayne Rooney, who's obviously top England goal scorer at the minute and uh, and things like that. We'll come to on to Ellen White very, very shortly. It's fair to say it was a rout against Latvia. England were 8-0 up at half-time. It finished 20-0 in the end, surpassing Belgium's 19-0 the other night against Armenia. Talked about it on the podcast a few times and there's been murmurings, but it was really vocal on social media and everything about the actual scoreline. First of all, would say it was fair. Is it fair, really, that these teams should be competing against England? Uh, do you know what, Luke? It's a really interesting argument because I know you were obviously involved in the in the post match press conference, and you know that naturally is a big talking point among the media. But I think it's really, really difficult because, like, you can't blame England. You can't blame either team. It's just kind of the way the format works. Um, obviously. It's an incredible scoreline and it, it draws attention. And, you know, from an England point of view, you know, you've got various records broken. But, yeah, there's something a little bit uncomfortable about it, I think, you know, in terms of the the quality of the opposition, the quality of the game. You want to see competitive sport, don't you? What, whatever level, whoever you support, whatever team you're watching, you want to see a good contest. And I think... When you're seeing these kind of score lines, you're clearly not seeing that. So while look, as you say, we can get onto Ellen White, we can get onto to other big performances shortly, but overall, yeah, you don't want to see it really, do you? I mean, Serena Vegan was asked in a press conference afterwards and she kind of says she was on the fence with it, it was fair to say. She did say it is a bit harsh on these teams, but equally she said, don't play more there. The teams are only put in front of us. We have to beat them. Yeah, 100%. And she's got a really, really, you know, it's a really fair point. You can't, you can't knock that. Um, you know, they don't look after the structure. They can't dictate who they play against. Um, so, you know, it's difficult to criticise England. And then I think, like, you obviously get into the, the sort of wider debate really around you know, should there be more investment in the game more generally? Is it more that there should be more of a tiered system? Who knows, Luke? And I think, you know, this this result and others that we've seen probably suggest there needs to be a little bit of a rethink. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I was reading, was there something like 59 shots on goal in the end of England? That's just crazy, isn't it? And I must admit it was, it was a difficult one. As, as, as much as you love see goal finding in football, I was a bit bored by the end, if I'm honest. Exactly. I mean, you know, we've all watched football games, haven't we, that have been one-sided. I'm thinking more you're sort of five, six nils rather than than 20. But you've watched those and you get to a point where, you know, there's that, that phrase that people use, that it was like a training game. 
Now you'd probably say for this, that's that that sort of concept is taken up another level, isn't it? Because it, I was going to say every time England had a shot, they scored, but clearly <laughs> if that's a stat, then that, that wasn't quite the case. But yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal really. And I think probably, and, and you were there, Luke, so would, would welcome your thoughts, but it must have been a bit surreal as well. Yeah, although what I will say is, I mean, well, first of all, there's traffic problems around the, the ground, so I, I didn't actually get in until 25 minutes in. It was 6-0 up by then. Um, so, yeah, that wasn't my finest hour. But what I will say is the ground was full. Obviously, Doncaster's not, um, not a massive ground in terms of capacity, so it did look full as well. And it was great to see so many kids there, so many, like, girls as well who were kind of almost in awe of the Lionesses that they did the lap round pitch at the end of the game. Yeah, and you know what? That's a really important point. You can't take that away. And and you know, that's a really good opportunity for, for those kids and, and fans in general to see the team. So it's great that, that that was able to happen, particularly after the, you know, the last 18 months or so that we've had. Um, and like you say, it's important not to take away from that, but... I guess the event itself was was a really, really big success. I've just got the stats up at England had 63 shots on goal, 30 were on target in the end. And there was a tweet from Leanne Sanderson basically saying, what do we do? It's it's not good for the game. I'm sure uh, everyone's got the thoughts and, and something will be done further on down the line. But in terms of qualification for England, 18 points now, do you think it's done and dusted the five points clear of Northern Ireland? I think I, I think you would have to say, wouldn't you, that they've given themselves a really, really good opportunity. Um, and yeah, I mean, just going back to the point that that you quite rightly made earlier, and Serena Viedman made, you can't blame England for the for that situation last night. And ultimately, I guess they they did the job they needed to do, as they have done throughout the whole qualification period. Ellen White, a fantastic achievement. By her, she's only thirty-two as well, so she's still got a few got a few goals left in her, hasn't she? She has, and I think what's interesting with Ellen is she's one of these players that look. She's clearly a very natural goal scorer, a record breaker, has done it at the top level for a very, very long time, and has been very highly thought of for a long time. But with her, she she she's also known for her work rate her tracking back you know there's so much more to a game she's not a poacher she's not just about skill she's sort of got a bit of everything and you know I know those closest to her Phil Neville used to always say it you know very publicly and exactly the same with what Serena Vigman said is her work rate in training she's 110% all the time and it's good to see someone like that rewarded for those efforts as well and and you know also an extremely likable character and you know someone that you know i i want to say young girls but you know young girls and boys can can you know aspire to and admire it's good to see uh, a lot of there was a lot of first as well wasn't there emily um lauren hemp her first england goal shots to scored four alicia russo she came on and got her first goal she got a hat trick i basically lost count of who scored but there was a lot of debutants <laughs> Uh, a lot of goals and a really, really good night, wasn't it, for, for a lot of individuals? It was. And again, going back to that point about the event itself, you can't take these moments away from people. And I think the likes of Lauren Hemp has obviously been on the scene for a while, does really, really well domestically, has come up through England's age groups. Um, and yeah, she'll be relieved, I'm sure, to, to get that goal. And as you say, I mean, so many firsts, 
um, you know, a really, really strong lineup. You know, when you saw that lineup, he thought, blimey, there's there's quality there across the board. And it's interesting, really. So you've got the likes of Ellen White here, obviously, as you say, still only 32, but at that sort of later end of their career, but plenty of young players who are now off the mark for England. And I think regardless of who you're playing against, it's a big moment, isn't it, getting your first international goal or goals in some cases. Northern Ireland faced North Macedonia twice in this break, scoring 20 goals over the two games. They initially did leapfrog. Austria into second place. Austria then went back above the Northern Irish thanks to an 8-0 win in Luxembourg. Stephanie ending the hat-trick there. Um, but another record breaker was Rachel Furness, who surpassed David Healy's men's record of 36 goals and become her country's top scorer across the, both the men's and women's game. And Emily, you feel it between them and Austria now as to who gets second, but Northern Ireland are really on a crest of a wave at the minute, aren't they? They are. And look, like you alluded to there, the fact that they're looking at this pay structure and, you know, becoming potentially becoming full time is really, really positive. And look, obviously, we follow England very, very closely and, and rightly so. But I think it's actually important to, as you say, acknowledge the other home nations, especially what they're doing, because Northern Ireland have, you know, for a while now, probably the last couple of years, been been really, really building and and getting their just rewards and as you say things like the contracts are really really significant and hopefully that's something that that will benefit them further but they've yeah they've done extremely well um obviously they're not in a position at the moment where you can really talk about them in the same way as you talk about England and some of the I suppose what if there was a tiering system the kind of tier one nations but I think it's exciting and you know that you know Rachel Furness breaking the record was big and and just generally you'd like to think that they're regardless of what happens in this qualification period they're in a a, a good place as it were. Scotland Argyle we have the hardest group on Friday evening Abby Harrison's last gasp equaliser rescuing him a point at home to Ukraine. And they needed to have to be at their best as they travelled to Spain. It was a tough ask, though, as they found themselves 3-0 down at half-time and eventually went down by eight goals to nil. Alexis Gutella was on the score sheet and also Jenny Hermoso was among the goals as well. And, and Scotland, they have been making progress, Emily, but this week, this international week really set them back a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, it has, and it's, it's, a, it's a real shame, isn't it? Because, again, an 8-0 defeat isn't... It doesn't look good, does it? Particularly, I guess, from or two people that that perhaps don't follow the women's game that closely. But I think you know, there's probably a bit of perspective needed. They were playing Spain, that you know, had a team full of, as you say, Ballon d'Or winners and just quality across the park, really. Um, and you just hope, really, that you know, it doesn't set them back too much. Um, you know, I know they've been quite vocal in saying that it doesn't change anything in terms of their, you know, where they go from here and, and their next games. Um, but in a similar way to Northern Ireland, I think a sort of stronger Scotland and, you know, all the home nations is really, really important for the game. And you just hope that it doesn't knock them back too much, because I think contrary to what I've just said in terms of regardless of who you're playing, it's still hard, isn't it, to, to come to terms with, with an 8-0 defeat. Talking of Wales, they brushed aside Greece on Friday, 5-0, thanks to two goals from Kerry Holland, Tash Harding, Sophie England, Kayleigh Green also added goals. The biggest test, though, came this evening for Gemma Granger's side. They were in Paris to face the Greek leaders, France. They fell behind right on half-time to... Paddy Diani and then Selma Bakker added a second in stoppage time. 
Wales, we, we talked about Scotland. It was a bad week for them. Wales, even though they, they did lose tonight against France, they are still in a good place, aren't they? They are, yeah. And they've really... Again, they're another side that have been growing, obviously did well in the previous qualifying campaign um, overall. And I think, yeah, Gemma Granger must be pretty happy with how it's all going, I would say. Um, again, I think the scoreline against France, it was 2-0, it was a comprehensive win. But, you know, there's no shame in that when you look at the players that France have at their disposal. And we all know domestically how dominant they've been and their, their club sides have been and, and have been in Europe as well. So, yeah, all in all, I think Wales can be can be pretty happy to have, you know, kept it at that scoreline and, and their campaign so far overall. And, yeah, it's you just hope, don't you, that there's that there's enough really there. I know overall so the performance was pretty good against France too, um, which is a real, real positive. I guess the only thing they might be a little bit disappointed about is, is the red card. Ireland sits second in Group A behind Sweden after picking up four points. They drew 1-1 home to Slovakia on Thursday, which will be a bit of a disappointing result for them before they battered Georgia 11-0 thanks to a Denise O'Sullivan hat-trick. Katie McCabe also got a couple of goals there. Moving on to other matters, as we mentioned, Alexis Putella has won the women's Ballon d'Or. The Barcelona in Spain star grabbed the award ahead of her teammate Jenny Hermoso. And Chelsea's Sam Kerr finished third. First of all, Emily, it was great that you were there at the same ceremony as the men and she was stood alongside Lionel Messi in the end. So that was a, a really nice picture, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And I think it's... It's just absolutely brilliant news, isn't it? And I know we've spoken about this before on the pod. We're obviously very in tune with what's going on over here in the WSL. And then I suppose as a consequence, how our European teams, our teams that compete in Europe, sorry, I should say, how their players fare on, on the biggest stage. But, you know, Barcelona are exceptional, aren't they? I mean, you only have to think back to that Champions League final against Chelsea and how comprehensive they were. Um, you know, if you look at Patellas' record, it's absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? 26 goals in all competitions. And, and just generally, just her performance in that final and more generally. And, and yeah, you're right. I think the fact that they were at a joint ceremony, the pictures were the same, you know, that the treatment, if you like, of the award was held in the same esteem and the same regard. And, and you know, it might sound like a small and subtle thing, but it, it's it's pretty significant. Absolutely. Also, as well, it's great for Sam Kerr to get recognition, wasn't it? A hundred percent, actually. When you look at that list, the fact that obviously Sam Kerr is third, Miedemar's fourth, um, again, Frank Kirby being down in 10th in the top 10 is, is really, really good. Peniel Harder, I guess, is another uh, another WSL representative. But yeah, I think it, it's great because you look at the list and there's just a, there's such variety, isn't there, in terms of, um, you know, where people play their football. And I think that that's refreshing, refreshing as well. But you're right, Sam Kerr has done exceptionally well. Um, and, you know, I know we all think very highly of her and, and you know, her attributes and what she's done so far over here and, of course, more generally. And it's great to see that recognised, you know, in the biggest uh, awards category list. Yeah, domestically, Leicester Park company with Jonathan Morgan over the past week. He's been there a long, long time. Stalwart of the club really built them up and got them into the WSL. I have moved swiftly to a point. England youth team coach Lydia Bedford and she'll be assisted by Brent Hills who assisted Hope Powell for the last 11 years. And Emily, it's sad, but almost inevitable, really, especially with the huge games against Birmingham coming up. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I think it's just a great example again, though, of, of as we said before, just the gulf 
essentially between the top two leagues and how much of a challenge it is once you get up there. And, you know, Leicester are a side that have invested and have spent, but have still found it really, really tricky. And it is extremely sad with the Jonathan Morgan news, especially someone that's been there for so long. And of course, guided them to promotion and just sort of overseen the whole development, really. And it's it's really, really sad. You know, that said, it's a really good opportunity for Lydia Bedford. She's another example, not unlike Rianne Skinner, not unlike Gemma Granger, who's really worked hard at the FA to establish their reputation, knows the the youth landscape, which I think could be really, really important, I guess, if you think of perhaps some of the younger players, not just at Leicester, but also at some of the other clubs that maybe at the top, uh, the top end, rather the top, uh, the top end of the WSL that they might be able to get on loan or, or work with in the future. And Lydia will know all those. She's, you know, a very, very good coach, very, very highly regarded. And it's a really good opportunity. And you, if you look at the way the likes of Rianne have done and, and Gemma have done since leaving the FA, um, Leicester will be in, in very good hands. You on first name terms with them, eh? Rianne, Gemma. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're like media officer at the FA, or used to be. I mean, uh, they are your mates, yeah? <laughs> all right, Luke, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so coming up this weekend... Uh, we have got the FA Cup final from last season. Chelsea take on Arsenal. Emily, I mean, we're going to review it more in the next in the podcast coming up at the beginning of next week. But Emily, what, what are your thoughts on it? How do you see it going? I think it's a really, really exciting game. I think there's with the way Arsenal have, have certainly improved this season, I think it will be, be more competitive than it might have been had it been played last season. Arsenal obviously beat Chelsea, didn't they, on the opening day at the Emirates? And yeah, I think it's hard to call. I think it's one of those where, I don't know, there's something in the back of my mind where I still think if Chelsea perform how they can, they should win. But, you know, you never know, do you, on, on the big final and, and the big stage like that? What, what do you reckon, Luke? Where, who's your money on? It's interesting, isn't it? Because Arsenal, they only seem to have beaten Chelsea this season. So it definitely... Um... They definitely have sort of psycho- maybe got a slight psychological edge over them. But the one thing about Arsenal we said in the in the past is is the character and or maybe yeah. a lack of it in a final at Wembley. Will they be up for it? Jonas Eideval can do that. He can do no wrong at the minute. But if he can guide them to a title, then you're looking at it and saying, you know what, maybe they could go on and win the WSL. I mean, Jonas Eideval uh, can do no wrong at the minute. But if they can go beat Chelsea in a final, then they are serious contenders and people look at them and say, they can win the WSL this year if they go and beat Chelsea, I think. Now, ever been in your comfort zone and then moved to another country? Well, that's what former England youth internationals Chelsea Weston did last season when she moved from Coventry United over to Italy. And I caught up with her earlier to find out all about it. So, yeah, I was at Cov United um, playing in the Championship. And then um, midway through the season, I think it was November, um, an offer came in for me from uh, Pink Bari. And then... Um, then yeah, like basically it was an offer I couldn't really refuse. So um and I think at my age it would have been stupid to say no, not to try it. Um so then yeah, I spoke to Cobb and they completely understood the situation and told me to go for it. So yeah, in I think a week later I was gone. So you went to Pink Barry and obviously now you're in Venice, you're at Venezia. How how are you finding that? Yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's um obviously it's Serie C, but um before I came here, um, 
obviously I was playing in Serie A last season, um, but it was more of a project, I think, um, because um, the new men's owner came in and he wanted to put a big influx in and create um, like a family environment, I suppose you'd call it. Um, so, yeah, so, and he's really behind the women's football. And if that's, like, in my honest opinion, that's something I find rare in women's football, a men's owner um, of a men's professional team really wanting the women to do well. So, yeah, it's really, it's really good. It's a good start. Yeah, and especially in Italy, I know we, we did, uh, we spoke to somebody last year about Serie A, and they are trying to make it more and more professional in Italy, aren't they, as they go on? Um, there's still a long way to go, but certainly Juventus are leading the way in terms of making it all professional and trying to raise the, the profile of women's game, aren't they? Yeah, I think um, I think if you look at culture-wise, it's um, obviously football's big. I mean, football's big in most countries, but um, England have kind of led the way, I feel, um, for building, um, especially women's football. Um, and like you said, it's it's starting to come to fruition now in Italy where... I think they realise that women's football can take can take off. Um, so yeah, like you said, I think Juventus are putting money in AC Milan, Roma, the top teams, um, and it's kind of like England, where England was ten years ago. You had your your big teams who put money in your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's, your Man City's, and then everyone's trying to creep up the ladder and create that environment really. And I think um, the time in Italy is is now for them to try and do it. Yeah, now I won't reveal your age, but obviously you said it's a project in the, <laughs> in Venice. So is it a case of um, you're looking at maybe coaching and passing on your knowledge to some of the younger players over there? Um, yeah, um, that's what I've, the last couple of years, especially especially being in Italy, it's um, let's just say it's very different coaching styles. I use the word culture; it's different. Um, the way we're brought up um, to play football is completely different so that I find quite hard but because of the career I've had I've had a, a lot in my eyes a good career so yeah like you said like trying to help people like especially the younger the younger girls that are, that are there's some good quality players so um, if I can help them in any way shape or form then to make them better then I'll certainly try. And obviously people won't know a lot about Serie C in Italy in the women's game um, just tell us how Venezia are doing this year. Um, yeah, so um, we are, I think we are third at the minute. Um, I don't know whether we're joint top, the three are joint top, um, or they're like a point in front. Um, but it's really tight. It's tight between the top three or four teams, I think. Um, and they really want to push on and get into Serie B. Um, and Venezia want to go, ideally want to go into Serie B and then into Serie A. That's the plan. So... So, yeah, I, I think personally, I think we can do it. I think if we stay on track and um, we all come together, I think personally we can. And, and how have you been received over there? Can, can you go out and walk the streets without being recognised at the minute? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> um, you wear, I mean, you wear, you have like the kit and stuff and you have to walk to places in your kit and people know. And um, I mean, one time we went for food after training, there's like a team bonding and we were in... Um, our own clothes and there was a, a group of people on another table and they heard that some of us were English and they started talking and um, they were like, oh, we're Venezia Ultras for the men's and stuff. And so that was kind of like crazy to, because their fan base is obviously um, 
quite extreme, if I can use that word. Um, yeah. Yeah, so no, yeah, but but as for being no, not walking in the street, not really, no. But I mean, if some of the Venezia men walked in the street, I probably wouldn't recognise them either. So, <laughs> well, it's a, I mean, it's a beautiful city there to, to obviously live in as well, yeah. isn't it? It's a, it's not a bad life, is it? No, it's certainly not. Um, I mean, we, um, well, I didn't know before I came here, being stupid, um, that Venezia is like a mini island, and you have to get there's like one way in and one way out. So like we live just off the island in the closest city um so then yeah i've been into venice and it's just it's exactly what you see on the tin really it's just beautiful and that is it emily thank you very much for joining us it's great to have you back no it's a pleasure it's good to be back really really good to be back and we'll be back to review the conti cup action and also the fa cup final from last season and a look ahead to this season's fa cup third round i know it's all very confusing join us we'll make sense of it all so don't forget to follow us on twitter at dwfb1 and instagram the women's football podcast and also subscribe via all good podcasting platforms until then have a great week and we'll see y'all very soon